From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Ah, yes, the Jack and Spike Show. Could Renton be the next Washington city to hike its minimum wage? Ah, uh, probably. They've got a long history of doing it. Do the math, says Barbara Lee. $50 minimum wage is required for people to live. And also, nearly half of adults are unmarried. And that turns out to be a good day for Valentine's Day because nothing sates loneliness like consumerism. That's right. Buy your feelings away. Just like how Spike eats his feelings. Right, Spike? That's where you celebrate Valentine's Day. Exactly. Restaurants. <laughs> so uh, Renton could be the next Washington city to hike its minimum wage. Uh, this is interesting being that I don't think people realize how much we as a society I think hate poor people. You ever thought about this, Spike? <laughs> We detest poor people. I don't mean to laugh, but you've kind of boiled it all down to the base I'm issue just getting, here. We're just going down to brass tacks right it's, off the we're, di- we're divided. The federal minimum wage is $7.25, which is, we all understand that no human being can live on $7.25. You've now, never been in Topeka, Kansas, have you? That's exactly right. So, But I think that one of the issues that we're dealing with here is is when you look at where minimum wage is versus how much it actually costs to live, And then the battle that takes place over that discrepancy where people are like, these are supposed to be temporary jobs. You're not supposed to stay in these jobs. These are supposed to be jobs for kids. Like all these propaganda talking points. It's okay. So we should pay children less for the same amount of labor. Do you know what I mean? The arguments all begin to fall apart. And one of the things that I find particularly frustrating about this is I was poor. I know what it's like to be poor. Mm -hmm. And now I know what it's like to not be poor. And when I, being that I have lived in both worlds, I'm like Blade. I'm the day walker of rich people. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) At one point in time, I was very, very poor. I I see poor people. I see poor people. And now I'm not poor. I have a better insight into this world than I think a lot of other people do because they say to themselves, well, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, even though that phrase is literally defining the impossible. I I was able to navigate the, and I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand. I'm very happy for your success. At the same time, telling somebody that the value of their labor is worth $7.25 is ridiculous and antiquated. And I say this as a filthy capitalist. We need to stop doing this nonsense. So the pitch is basically to raise it by about 25%. Right now, it is $16.28 an hour. They would like to increase that to 20 cents and 20, or excuse me, $20.29. 29 Small and medium businesses would pay $18.29. Uh, but the the other thing that I, I think about this, though, is the numbers don't really matter. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? The, the, where you move, that you could say that you could increase it by 50 cents and people would still be against it. Well, okay. Oh, okay. okay. You, you, but what I think that people fail to realize who are against any kind of minimum wage increase is that we wouldn't need any of this if companies or corporations actually paid employees what the actual value of their labor is. Okay. And nobody wants to address that. We're also worried about corporate shareholders getting their returns month after month. We're less concerned about the people that actually produce the product or engage in the field of labor. And I find this to be just the end result of a propaganda campaign, which has been proliferated throughout the United States since the mid eighties. That people are poor because they're lazy. Poor because they're lazy. Because they haven't put the work in, didn't didn't uh, get a good education, right. didn't do whatever, whatever, didn't do the work. 
didn't do the work. Earn the living. Right, or even that they that they're in transit. You know what I mean? That they're going to move through different economic ladders. Right. right. Well, it used to be you said it's these are not entry level jobs anymore. These are full time jobs. They're not teenagers anymore. These are adults doing these jobs. Right. And because that's the reality we live in today. There's only so many factory jobs. Right. There's only so many industry jobs. That's right. And somebody's got to be in the service industry. And kids these days are launching later. They're staying at home longer. They're staying in school longer. Teenagers don't work at McDonald's anymore. They're too busy on their phones. They've got heaven sure. forbid they're they're still in school. That'd be nice right. if they're but, working on homework. Even but even that, even the framing of that argument is wrong because we say, well, those are jobs that are meant for kids. And I would even say that a child's labor is worth the same amount as the adult's labor if they are producing the same product. Yeah, but it, well, uh, you're right about that. I, my point was, it used to be that your your job flipping burgers or handing food through a window, right, was supposed to be not what you. That's not going to be your career. That's where you learned how to interact with other people, how to be accountable, how to be responsible. Sure. That was that's what they meant by entry level position, and you moved from that to a career type job right. that could pay a living wage. Yeah, but this is as good as it's going to get for a lot of people nowadays. Well, even though that, like, I think that people miss the mark where they say, "Oh, well, you know, seventeen dollars an hour, eighteen dollars an hour, whatever it is," and they go, "Oh, well, that's enough for somebody to live on." No, it's not. Like the the health insurance cost or the, the health care costs, right. dental costs, child care costs, whatever it might be. I, either either you get one of two things. We all adopt like a bizarre communist state where we all get universal basic income or you begin to lobby for these megacorps to start paying people what they're actually worth. And quite frankly, I'm fine if the CEO of a company has to make two to three percent less every year so that other people can have a livable wage. And quite frankly, when I saw this clip from Barbara Lee Talking about the fifty dollar, she goes out there because she's doing a debate with her fellow Democrats. It's her versus uh, generic white guy but versus. That, that, but hold on, that generic white guy's a baseball Hall of Famer, Steve Garvey. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Running on the Republican ticket for, uh, for a senator from California. Right. So you you mean you're right, generic white generic guy. Was white correct. guy. Yeah. And then you've got Adam Schiff, and then you've got Katie Porter, right. who is incredibly based. And so Barbara Lee comes out. She's a Democrat out of California. Jake, we got this audio. She says fifty. Dollars an hour minimum wage is what's required. Here's what that sounded like. I, I believe it was the United Way came out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, 104000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by. Low income because of the affordability crisis. And so just do the math. Just do the math. Of course, we have national uh, minimum wages that we need to raise to a living wage. You're talking about $20, $25, fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we Whoa, calculate. Time is up. Time. Wow. Can we not play the dating game? <laughs> Gee whiz. That's how, that's how they tell debates. The time is up in California, I guess. <laughs> so... I was thinking about this a lot, and and I, I disagree with Barbara Lee, the fine representative from California, on, on a lot of issues. But I think that we need to reframe philosophically the way that we think about labor in the United States. Okay. And I mean this from a capitalist perspective. I don't mean this from some crazy, kooky Marxist perspective. You know, I'm, I'm from as a filthy cap- capitalist, I say this: the phrase "you need to earn a living" mm-hmm. is one of the most dystopian, bizarre. Uh, uh, axioms that we throw out at people so that we you have to earn the right to live 
what? We don't say that to babies. Right. <laughs> you know what, what have you done to deserve this brothel? <laughs> Your room still looks like crap. <laughs> we don't do that to children. No. And we don't say that to the elderly, right? So, but then for some reason, during the height of your life, the expect or the prime of your life where you could be learning and growing and developing skills, the expectation is that you dedicate eight to nine hours of your waking life for $7.25 an hour. Let's ballpark it. Let's say it's $15 an hour when your life essence is literally being drained from you. Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to then go home and try to be a parent after that and also worry about bills and health care and child care and blah, 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 blah. This is a bizarre dystopian nightmare that we've set up for ourselves, which is not capitalism. It's corporatism. And that line of logic, you need to, quote unquote, earn a living is just a piece of propaganda that we've told people is a necessity, whatever it might be. Why don't we talk about thriving in the United States? Notice nobody ever talks about thriving. Everyone talks about surviving. Very different kind of philosophical framework that I think we need to adopt. That's a great way to look at life. I mean, earn a thriving would be great to be able to work your 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 job and earn enough money to not just survive. Right. But invest in your family's uh, mental health and invest in quality of life. Take a vacation once in a while. I would posit that the reason that we have such a severe mental health care crisis in the United States is because a lot of the factory and industry jobs are gone. And so people can't go put in a solid eight hours and then go home and know that they have a pension and know that they have a 401k and know that they have a a position within a union where they're not going to get worked over by the man. Now what you have is we've been basically atomized, to use a phrase from Marx's theory, we've been atomized and separated to believe that our survival is dependent on us individually, and we have to earn that individually, which is a sincere travesty, and I think contributes to the general disarray and malcontent that many Americans feel. Forget about markets, right? Forget about percentages. I'm just talking about the way that people feel about the United States. Why do people become leftists? This is why. So I think that what Barbara Lee said is indeed very based. Very based indeed. So uh, you said something about you know, we're, we're a slave to corporate, corporate profits to shareholders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't when you have when you serve two masters, when you're a corporation who has a, a responsibility to earn as much for your shareholders as you can. Mm-hmm. You can also pay your employees what they are worth. It's just uh, unless. You come at the court. You mentioned corporate profit. You wouldn't mind seeing the big guys make like two, three percent less. That's that's what's wrong with this equation, is that we have stockholders who deserve to see dividends on their investment, right? And we also have workers who deserve a fair and equitable wage, right? Mm. What they're worth. Mm. You can't have both of those if CEOs are making four hundred times what their employees are making. Well, that's what I'm talking about, man. I'm, I'm just saying there's a philosophic shift that needs to happen in the United States. Jacob is looking at me like he's a crazy socialist. What's wrong with anything that I've said, Jacob? Please. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I no, You're looking no, no, at me I, with such disdain. You're making me uncomfortable. I was I was reflecting your own narrowed eyes as you were listening to this book. I was trying to figure out <laughs> what, what you were. What doesn't Jack like about this take? I want to I want to play. Spike's got a bad take, but where's what's where's this going off the rails? <laughs> so nearly, where is Spike wrong? Nearly here? half of American adults are unmarried. And it turns out to be good for Valentine's Day because consumerism, as we all know, is the perfect way to replace any kind of heartbreak you might have felt. So this is basically this article from the, the Wall Street Journal saying the trend is a boon for retailers who could help reverse sagging Valentine's Day sales by for, for people to go out and enjoy the single life because they're buying stuff that they don't need for themselves. Isn't that so great? Which is another gripe of mine, by the way. <laughs> 
which is that people can't afford to live. They're uh-huh. miserable all the time. And so what do they do with their excess income, the little bit that they do have? I'm going to go into the fantasy world of video games or consumerism or whatever it is to try to numb the pain of the oppressive corporate matrix that we all live under because I can't find anybody to bond with because I spend all my free time working. I saw this documentary. It's a woman. She's in Florida. She's working two jobs. She's Mm -hmm. a, a naturalized citizen. She's working eight hours at a McDonald's. And then she turns around. She does six hours at a Dunkin' Donuts. It's 14 hours a day. Right. And she walks to work, by the way. So this is madness. And I don't I don't understand. I'm getting off on my corporate thing again. But anyway, Spike, I'm surprised that so many people are now single in the United States. I'm incredibly surprised by the fact that there are so many people who have yet to find specifically men in general. Mm -hmm. They cannot find someone to form a partnership with. Now, Jacob over there has a girlfriend that he enjoys the company of. And when I asked Jacob to introduce me to one of his girlfriend's friends, you know what he said? No. No is what he said. Really? He wouldn't help me out. Why is this a case? brother a a break there? He wouldn't wouldn't help me out at all. He said, oh, if you want to come to Portland with me. I said, Portland? What's in Portland? He said, that's that's where the girlfriend is. That's That's because buying her gifts is uh, not taxed down there. That's why. He's a smart man. (laughs) Jacob, have you noticed? Your Valentine's Day dollar goes (laughs) further. I'm choosing partners based on tax tax fraud. (laughs) Jacob, have you noticed? Have you noticed it's difficult to find a to find it because this is, this whole everyone's talking about this because of Valentine's Day. Are you finding it difficult to find a, a, a form a relationship with women since the time you've been single? Uh, no, that has not been my experience. Well, I mean, like you're a good looking I, I, guy. I'm, I'm not I'm not married, so I mean, and this is this article is largely about you know that that's a that's a I suppose a separate level of of relationship that that I've not. I don't know. I haven't unlocked, but um, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels weird to talk about. I, I haven't had any any real problems. I love how he looks at relationships I, like a video game. I haven't unlocked them. <laughs> I haven't yeah, unlocked yeah, yeah. that skill tree <laughs> yet. Um, but okay, so there's married, and then there's in a relationship, which is the level Jacobs ascended to, mm-hmm. and then they're single, mm-hmm. right? And and Jack, you said people are spending money being single, and that's helping the retail industry. That's great. Right. People aren't waiting for for someone else to buy them something nice. They're doing something nice for themselves, which I think is probably a good, healthy thing. No, to treat yourself not, no. and, and reward yourself <laughs> for a good day's work or no. for a job well done. I think, it's, I think there's something to that. But you asked why guys aren't finding the, the, their significant other. It's because the expectations are unrealistic. They are incredibly it's because unrealistic. Because we have gone online and, in, and now into AI where we think our partner's supposed to be perfect and sexy and compliant and subservient. This is Spike that, projecting re- his own. This Spike, this hey, is I've been your- happily married for, th- well, I've been married, let me clear this up, uh, for 33 plus no, years. Spike, you I, think you're, I think you're totally wrong about this. Really? I don't, I don't think that it's a, I, I think what people do is they're, they become habituated into self-satisfying, which sounds more risque than what it means, but mm-hmm. basically we don't need interpersonal connection to feel quote unquote fulfilled. Because I've got video games, and I've got HBO Max, and I've got uh, DoorDash, and I've got basically... So all of the conveniences that we've now formed in our lives, why get a girlfriend? Why cook dinner with somebody? Why go watch a movie with somebody when I can do it all from the comfort of my home? Well, I don't want to watch a rom-com. I can just watch what I want. There's a lot of self-satisfying that goes on, particularly if you want to get into this realm of it, particularly if you look at pornography on the internet, which Mm -hmm. I think is gross. But there is this thing that people do where we've now become so cut off from the pursuit of having a meaningful relationship. Largely, we are victims of our own convenience at this point in time. I would it's agree. Not, it's yeah. not so much I see that girl. She's not like the girl I see on the Internet. Therefore, I'm not interested in it. It's it's 
I don't even look for the girl because why would I? Yeah. I have everything I need. And this is my fear for the future when we get into VR and when you get into AI girlfriends, because then it's going to be like Blade Runner 2049. And I can have Ana de Armas tell me that I'm special. I always knew you were special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and then yeah, I never I need know. and then I never need to go out and actually meet Ana de Armas, by the way, if she wants to call me. I am available and I do a lot of yoga, Ana. <laughs> She'd like you so she'd be perfect for you. And you'd be perfect for her. And I would say <laughs> Bienvenidos. Mayamo S. Jack. Interesting. Encantata is what I would say. Encantado. Wow, this is how you introduce yourself. See. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> he's, he's declaring his love. See. Uh, in the oh, first nice. few sentences nice. he says. Es muy bien. <laughs> Me gusta. Ana de Armas. Skip right to the, to the finish line. <laughs> Me gusta. Close this deal. Is what I would say to her. Me gusta. Me gusta. <laughs> Me gusta, Senorita de Armas. <laughs> Donde esta la biblioteca, senora? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I would say. Third, a woo But this is what I'm saying, is that this, what we've done to ourselves now is we live in this bizarre kind of matrix world, or proto-matrix world, where we don't even need to, to strive or to try, which is why Valentine's Day is so special, which is why I'm going to have to find a Valentine for tomorrow. Otherwise, what am I going to do with my oh, wow. time? Clock is ticking. Yeah, tomorrow, kids. I'm actually, you know what I was really going to do? I was just going to go get Brian a Hallmark card and say, <laughs> it's, it's with, a, with a B on it, says, yeah. will you be mine and give it to him? <laughs> it and is then, Brian, you Brian get, Buckaloo. You should get a pack really. of the, school, the high school or the elementary school and give them to everybody. Yeah, that's you know, good. Yeah, yeah, that's right? good. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of Valentine's, by the way, Mickey Gomez coming into the studio because Mickey went and saw a psychic, and I want to make fun of Mickey for the next eight minutes, and so that's what we <laughs> will be doing because uh, there's uh, tips on finding love with the help from a psychic, and there's nothing more, uh, let us just say, fun or interesting than having somebody make something up on the spot and having you pay them for it. So let's talk about it when we get back right after that. <laughs> our YouTube channel, The Jack and Spike Show. Not the Cairo Radio YouTube channel, but the, our own one. I had to fight physically to get that done. <laughs> I had to fight Simeona. I said, Simeona, it's going to be a battle of the wills between you. Two men enter, one man leaves. And With then, a YouTube channel. Right. And then yeah. I bested him, and so that's why you can go to The Jack and Spike Show, where you can find our digital-only content. Mickey Gomez, Diane Toothweiler, both in the studio, because you guys decided that you were going to go get your palms red, your taros red. They were going to sacrifice a goat over a copper bowl, and your future hath been predicted. Am I right about this process? No. Okay, so... <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. Which part was wrong? Which part am I... Because I've been trying to tell the future, and I got a lot of goats. Okay, so. it was a chicken. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, so what, so what, yeah. what, why did you go see a psychic? Why did you guys... Well, Actually, I told Mickey we had to do a Valentine's Day story, and I had this psychic, and she's like, no, I, I don't want to do this story. I said, all right, I will volunteer for a reading if you will do this story. So, <laughs> and I said, I'm Mickey in. had to do it. <laughs> okay. That's right. Yeah. So just in time for Valentine's Day, a love psychic spoke to me. Okay. 
And she shared her five steps to finding true love. And she did a reading. So reality show host and uh, psychic matchmaker Deborah Graham basically teaches people how to move on from lost love. I'm, I'm very different than your normal matchmakers. I don't look at you. I look in you. I'm able to feel gross. and see your energy. <laughs> so she explains, gross. you might think this is even more gross. I go into your soul, into your spirit, mm-hmm. and I become you. So I'm able to see exactly where you need to be versus where you're at. And sometimes what you think you want in a relationship is not always what you need. So, Ooh. yeah. So while we were on Zoom, you know, I wear glasses. I'm wearing contacts today, but I took my glasses off mm-hmm. to see if she could connect with me. And check this out. Well, you have a strong soul. You're you're a leader, not a follower. You know what you came in here to do in this right. world. And you don't got to come back and do it again. This is your last rodeo, girl. Yeah. So what she meant by my last rodeo is that if you believe in reincarnation, Jack, mm. Spike, my soul is on its last life. This and is awful. Why would it, you, This is like the worst psychic <laughs> I've ever heard of in my and life. According to the astrological chart, it, it could be true. I'm a Pisces. I'm at the end of the Zodiac cycle. Okay. Graham's specialty, though, is matchmaking. And Kyra News Radio's Diane Duthweiler volunteered graciously ah, for reading. There we go. Since I've already found love. Will that love be there? Yes. I feel like it's already around you. I see a lot of red, and red means love, happiness, health, wealth, and strength. But the one thing is, you don't like to give up your power. You like your four walls. You notice that about yourself, girl? That is so correct. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'll mm-hmm. do a psychic love reading if you guys want. I feel like I could replicate that. Well, hang on. Okay. Give yourself permission to have fun and make time yes. to take time to do what you really want to want to do because you're a person that's in your head. Mm-hmm. You're vibrating, girl. Sounds like you got a good vibrate going on right now. Would you say so? Yes, yes. Yeah. So Diane Duthweiler is vibrating. She's, you, did she's you feel in- seen and heard by said psychic? Did you feel as if she... Actually, uh, it was very interesting to talk to her because she solidified something I had started to think about. Okay. And so she just kind of flipped me all the way to the answer so I didn't have to go through the whole process of figuring something out. Okay. So what she said, I think, was not brain surgery, but the timing was very interesting and exactly what I needed to hear at that time. Can I ask for specifics or is this just for Diane Duthwaters? Uh, well, answers? when she said she saw red around me, uh, I have recently started to see someone. Ah. So she actually picked up on on that and, and that person's member of the Chinese National Republic. <laughs> oh, I can't yeah. say. Okay, I, oh, I don't mean, I don't mean to but, pry. But no, what's funny is I have not dated in a long time, and I was like, oh, I have to get my life in order before I do that. Before mm. I do that, so she was picking up on the fact that yes, I had really tried to get my life in order, Would she... and now it is mm-hmm. in order. And it was time to let go. Would she just see like a black cloud and death around me because I'm not seeing anybody? Is Perhaps. That- <laughs> she says that she tells you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that she's going to tell you exactly what it is that uh, that she sees in I your future. I feel like she would look at me for two seconds and then say, I can't do this. I can't and help you. refund my She'd money. out. No charge for you today, Jack. <laughs> you know what, Jack? Doesn't she do five minutes for almost anybody? You can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could, uh, you could try it, Jack. You want to give me it's a reading, Jack? Late. I feel like I feel like it's coming. Like you want to oh, give. Oh sure. Yeah, okay, so this would be my psychic reading, Andrew. Is there? Do we have any like psychic music? Any mystical music that we could pull up right here? Because I have to get. I have to put on my. I have to open my third eye, mm-hmm. and yeah. I have to peer into Mickey Gomez's put on your turban. soul. Right. All right. There we go. So, Mickey, mm-hmm. what I see in your future? Yes. 
is, well, actually, let me describe your soul first. You are a powerful person, but then also a gentle person. Like, you know how to be strong, but then you also know how to be delicate with people. Wow. Which creates a dichotomy, which sometimes you feel conflicted in. But that's only natural for someone who has the capacity to both think and feel at the same time. How much do I owe you? Oh, that's uh, for you for free. Okay. It's, if it was All Jacob, right, it would be $200. And, you know I, and to be honest, and, and to be fair, Jack, because I, I see, I see what you're doing. Yeah. I, no, I, I, and I know exactly what you're doing. I, I asked her. I had to ask. I said, okay, Deborah Graham, how much of this is psychic ability and how much is psychology? Perception. Yeah. Yeah. And she says. Well, it's common sense, to be totally honest with you. I wouldn't even call it psychology or even, you know, psychically. It's just listen to your gut because we're all psychic. Yeah. Do you feel psychic, Diane Duthweiler? Uh, you know, I've had my palms read and my brain read a few times. I used to work with in a restaurant where they did, a man came in and did psychic readings for mm. people. He once told me my vacuum was broken and so was my television. <laughs> and he was correct. Because he broke them. <laughs> True story. He's the maintenance man so, in the building. He's a maintenance guy. I am always open to a reading. I am okay. always open to a reading. So can I ask both you ladies? Yeah. Uh, um, and I hope that's not an insulting term these days. It I'm is. How dare you? you can call me as ladies. professionals in the broadcast and news industries, did you come into this opportunity as a skeptic or a, a pre-conceived belief of the ability of psychics? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I do believe in psychics. There are good and bad psychics. So I was skeptical of course, because any sort of television, flashy, big blonde hair, lipstick psychic, yes, I was a little skeptical, but um, but um, actually, I really enjoyed the reading, and it was funny, and I thought about what she said, so she gave me food for thought. There's an interesting stat that I read from the uh, American Journal of uh, Psychiatric. Ninety mm percent -hmm. of women believe that there is some validity <laughs> to zodiacs, mm -hmm. uh, zodiac signs, psychics, and uh, what is it, planetary alignment or whatever? Mm -hmm. sure. Numerology. Numerology. 90% yeah. of dudes do not. Isn't that so interesting? <laughs> I think there's a difference between believing in it or just coincidental and wanting yeah. to have fun. Like, I love reading, it. I love mm -hmm. reading my horoscope, and sometimes I'm like, oh, this is right on. Mercury's in retrograde. Fun. That right. must be why everything is upside down. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah. but there isn't but I wouldn't I wouldn't base my relationship on somebody's psychic reading or on my astrological sign. To if, answer your question, yeah. though, 100% um, skeptical, even though I am a little witchy, and that's what I call it. There's just something that I inherited from my grandmother and my mother. We mm. have a sixth sense. I don't know if it's my chakras. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I can, I feel things, but I don't necessarily think it's psychic. I think it's just intuition. Well, Jack said something to me. We are talking about a different topic, but you, you, kind of described to me how the inclinations we have to feel like I know when my kid's in trouble, mm -hmm. even if they're not here. Yeah. That comes from evolution over generations and generations and eons. Yeah, genetic time. memory is what it's called. So it's like uh, we're, since we're temporal creatures and we're constantly looking at patterns, there's this idea in psychology that some patterns are so ingrained in us that it almost feels as if it's a sixth sense when in actuality it's genetic memory. Maybe, of, that's, of, the of ah. Maybe that's the psychic ability. Maybe that's the psychic part of it. Collective consciousness. And your lucky number is Tuesday. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Can I tell you guys, yeah. uh, the, the last time I read a horoscope, I just read the first line and I closed it because I thought that I can't have this come true. 
It's the first line was, it may feel as if this is the kind of day that will end in a hail of bullets. And I went, nope. That no, was no, no. <laughs> that wasn't in the Wall Street Journal. No, was no it? that's LA Times. Okay. It was a horoscope. Yeah. Right? And I go, I understand that they're trying to do a play on words here, but uh, my day is not going to end in a hail of bullets. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. You're welcome. And happy pre Valentine's Day. Happy pre Valentine's Day. Everyone. Love to everyone. Be surrounded by red. Yeah, <laughs> I hope I. I have a day that's surrounded by red. <laughs> Boeing executive wants employees and suppliers to discuss safety with one phrase. And I would have thought that this would have been the industry standard from, you know, the Wright brothers. <laughs> I would have thought that people had this kind of already in that this was already yeah, the mode of you talk. Think. You think? But we'll talk about it when we get back right after this. executive of Boeing wants employees and suppliers to discuss safety. Now, this is, I thought, would be an industry standard, being that you're working with planes and whatnot, and uh-huh. <laughs> you're yeah. working with highly delicate equipment that involves people's lives. And the phrase that he used is kind of, a, it's a little annoying that this wasn't just the industry standard right mm-hmm. off the top. Like, for instance, if I am a kindergarten teacher or I'm working with small children, uh, a phrase that we might use would be be vigilant. We wouldn't wait for 30 children to go missing and then come out and say, <laughs> see Mrs. Jones. hey, everybody, make sure you're being vigilant out there. It would be the industry standard. Right. right? So he asked employees to speak up about safety at the Pacific Northwest Aerospace Alliance in Linwood last week. He said we need more collaboration. And we need to have a free to speak up culture. What? You uh, are you telling me that somebody was like, anybody got these bolts for this panel? No, okay, don't say anything. Steve, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> every third bolt goes in my pocket. Well, I mean, I'm that building was, a shuttle in my garage. Don't an- cheese my good times. This is another classic example of right? me having my own joke and then Spike taking my joke and then deciding that he's going to do his own joke as opposed I, to the I joke didn't know that you I. Had one. Well, it's what we call a ramp to a joke. There, Spike. <laughs> Boeing hopes for a culture shift after a door plug blew off a jetliner uh, with passengers on board last month. No one was injured in that accident, but has put the aerospace in a negative light. I don't necessarily think that it does put aerospace in a negative light. Right? I don't think that it puts Boeing in a negative light. I don't think that it puts Alaska in a negative light because people need to fly. And what people do when this happens is that they go, I'll give it two weeks, and then they immediately start flying again. Right. Safest thing in the air right now is a Boeing jet. Right. I think it puts Steve from Wichita, Kansas, who's pocketing those bolts. That's who's in a bad light, not Boeing. Sure. Is is it a question of um, uh, anonymity? Is there like a, a whistleblower thing where, I mean, do people not want to make trouble on the line and cause everybody's job to get a little harder, work a little later? You know, I mean, I wonder if there's a, there's a culture of... Don't speak up. Don't rock the boat. We got a good thing going here. We're working eight hours and not a minute longer. Yada yada. No, I don't. I think that it's uh, what generally happens in companies is that there's just a communication failure. You know, it's kind of like when I need, when I need something done, I'm not going to let's say, make it a hypothetical, right? Let's just say hypothetically that I need something done from a certain department at this fine radio station. Mm-hmm. I have to go to Jacob who then goes to that department, but doesn't go to the person who can do it. Got to go to that person's boss, 
who okay. then tells that person to do it. And then if that person has questions, they then have to go back to their boss, who then has to go back to Mr. Rummel, who then reports it back to me. And I say, no, I don't want that. That process, as I would imagine, is what happens at a lot of these different companies right. where it's such, there, there is so many, so much middle management. There's so many steps in the chain. And then on top of all of that, if you send an email to your superior superior, that person th- views it as a slight. Right. Well, why didn't you come to me with that? So it's better to just not engage at all rather than have to deal with the bureaucratic nightmare that we've established for ourselves with middle management. No offense, Jacob. I know you're middle management. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you work real hard. We're bringing the mail for us. We right. Appreciate, it. appreciate that, my friend. Jacob, you think this, what, what do you think my assessment of this? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm sure issues like this are also, are always all the factors possible, right? It, it does feel like, well, I guess the big question is, do we think that this is actually worse than it's, than it's been in the past? I think it's the same. Is you, and you don't, you don't think it's, yeah. It's, I, it's, I, I, I did a lot of research on the history of Boeing plane disasters or accidents. Mm-hmm. seems about every five years, something big happens and then they make a bunch of changes within company policy and that problem never happens again i think locally it's easy to to uh make everything about boeing's decision to leave their their, their corporation yeah yeah you know taking corporate to to chicago or wherever it was this this problem was out of wichita kansas the other previous problem was out of south carolina so we've got we got generational workers up here mm -hmm. who have been doing this their entire lives and they're trying to train guys in other states with better tax incentives to learn how to do what these guys have been doing Northwest for generations. There's a UW program that's trying a unique approach to help older adults with depression. On top of all that biometric ID for alcohol purchases, the Matrix is here, and Matt Markovich will be joining us as there is a reversal of fortune concerning book banning in Washington State. Finally, we can ban them all. No more reading when we get back right after this. (laughs) 